Hi guys, it's Liam Payne here and this is the FIFA Play On Podcast. Each week I speak to one of the world's top footballers who picks a playlist of songs that have mattered most to them. And I'm also joined by one of the biggest names in football slash music culture as we discuss our lives and careers. It's time to play on. Now, I'm not going to be doing this completely alone. With me is my regular co-host. He's a broadcaster, reporter. He runs a charitable foundation. He is the man who always seems to see the positive in any situation. It's Mr. J.D. Dyer. J.D., how are you? Liam, man, listen to me. I'm so happy to be on the call with you today, man. This this one is going to be special. This is yes. North London representing. You know I'm a North London boy, so this is North London representing. I'm excited oh, yeah, today. Of course, man. Enfield, born and bred. So this is Enfield. important. I had a girlfriend from Enfield once. Wow. <laughs> I, I don't know if to say so. I'm sorry for you all. Like, <laughs> I don't really know where I was going with that. I don't even know if I can feel sorry for you at this moment in time. Listen, Enfield, that's when I train him. See, and you hear him in the background already because I've watched this person's rise to success from 16 years old. I remember it was nothing short of phenomenal. Kind of jumped on the scene with his inevitable ability and all the rest of it and the technique. And his level of ability has always been above his age group, but... You've seen his whole career and the way he's grown into it. I remember watching him actually score a hat-trick back in 2014 for MK Dons against Crew Alexander. And I knew from then, that's a player. Like, for real, when I say that's a player, but goal of the season since then, Champions League finals, over 35 appearances for England, two-time young PFA footballer of the year. To be honest, the funny thing about it is, Liam, I actually see this guy more in a barbershop than I do anywhere else. Shout out to the That Feeling <laughs> team. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you got trimmed there as well? Of course, you know, Delhi. I was in there with you the other day with you and Matt Doherty. <laughs> Shout out to Justin. Yeah. yeah Justin Welcome to man. the FIFA Play On, Delhi Ali. Yeah, big, big. Thank you. How's it going, man? Yeah, all good, thank you. All good. Where in the uh, Where in the world are you right now? I'm actually just in London, just at home, chilling. I've got training tomorrow, so just chilling out. You know, with COVID at the moment and everything going on, how how's that situation been for you for training? Uh, it's been different. I think everyone's obviously struggled to try and get used to it or whatever. And it's become not normal, but because it's been going on for so long, it's sort of just become normal now. You know what I mean? So you've been playing without fans in the in the audience at the moment. I mean, I've been doing the same, actually. I've been doing a lot of online content at the moment where we, we like put fake screaming in the background just to make oh, me okay. feel better about myself. <laughs> <laughs> but how does that change yeah it's different it's definitely different I think everyone in football wants the fans to be back as soon as possible but I think obviously the main thing is everyone's safety we have to make sure it's the right time and you know everything's managed the right way I think um, as players obviously we want to entertain and unfortunately it's not the same when you're when you're playing and the fans ain't there like we miss them but um, yeah it's definitely a lot different not having fans in the stadium is it easier to concentrate or harder or it's strange. Um, it's just weird. Like, the whole thing's weird. Like, even the build-up to the game. Like, in your head, obviously, you know it's a big game. And then when the whistle goes, it's like, there's no noise. Like, there's no, everything just goes silent. And then, obviously, you can hear, like, what everyone's saying to each other. Whereas, I think, wow. cause you, it must be the same, like, obviously, when you're performing or whatever. Like, when you're in the zone, like, you don't really notice. Not that we don't notice the fans, but you're so in the zone when you're playing anyway. It's like it's just them little yeah, moments I mean, like when you every score. Every performance to me at the moment's kind of felt like a like a jam session more than anything else. <laughs> because you just yeah. like I mean I did I did a really strange one the other week in London Dungeons, which is quite an experience. <laughs> I am also delighted to say, as per usual, we've got another amazing guest 
joining us today. Are you ready for this one, JD? I'm ready. I'm ready. Hit me. Are you ready? Are you I'm ready? excited. Let's do this. He is UK rap royalty that has been called your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. With everyone from Stormzy to Giggs, Helium is one of British music's true greats. Big facts. He released five acclaimed albums and some of his top 10 singles include Tractor, Blackout, and Don't Go. Here he is. It's Wretch32. Wretch, how are you? What's good? I'm good, man. Very chilled. Very, Very chilled. chilled. I love it. Yeah, this is a moment. This is North London's finest right here. Yeah. Wretch, I said it to you off camera, but I'm going to say it to you again on camera now. Are you finally going to accept that you are the best lyricist, not just in the country, but probably one of them around the world? Are you going to accept that? I just, I just try and do my little nah, thing, man. I just, see, little thing. I feel like we all have this moment where we think, like, you are like what we all wanted to be at some point in our lives, which is quite an amazing thing to be. Uh, Wretch, how has this time been for you? Do you know what? Yeah, it's, um, I miss performing, but I think where we haven't been able to perform, we've been able to record. So I've just proper horned in in the studio, man. I ain't come out. I've become a studio rat again, which is enjoyable, man. You hear that right now? That means that he's cooking some stuff up, Liam. It's a different pace of life, though, isn't it? I don't know if you ever find this one. I feel like working out and going in the studio uses the same juices. 100%. I think that the studio takes more out of me than the gym. Yeah. That's mad. Because mentally, in it, like, remember, you're it's creating something from nothing. So it's like you're digging into everything and everything and everything. So you get more tired. Yeah, like, so mentally, it's just, it's quite draining. Like, five days back to back in the studio doing the marathon sessions, it's like, by the weekend, I don't want to hear my own voice or anyone else's. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, I, yeah, it's difficult when you get home as well, and I'm just like, I just need to shut off in front of a computer somewhere yeah. or a TV. How do you keep that consistency? Because you know each take, obviously, has to be almost better than your last take. Well, it's like, when you're making a song, in my eyes, it's like trying to listen to the same song 50 million times whilst making it. <laughs> and it's, it could be horrible yeah. at times. You're like, it's like sort of weird torture that we do to ourselves. I mean, I've been in sessions before where it's just gone absolutely nowhere and then no one's got the heart to tell anyone <laughs> in the room that it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> Deli, you have chosen your playlist of six songs that mean something to you. How difficult was that choice? Yeah, there was a few uh, curveballs, I'd say. But, you know, it was pretty easy. Did it take you down a nice journey, a nice like, like memories? Yeah, it brought back some memories. Uh, I think you'll see some of the tracks that are on there. They're like little throwbacks and just that mean different things to me. Liam, he's downplaying it. Listen to me. When the track list <laughs> was sent to me, there, when the track list was sent to me, this one had me like, yeah, this guy's got a vibe. I already knew it. I didn't even see, need to see it was Delhi's name above it. And I already knew it was a vibe. <laughs> Top to bottom, there's bangers throughout. I just want to know, how did you put yourself into that space? Did you kind of pick out big memories and think of the tracks that were associated with it? Or did you just think of some of your favourite tracks throughout your life? Uh, no, it was more with memories. Like that had, so like different tracks, so like one of them, Uncle Cracker, like it's just got a little meaning to me, like when I joined Tottenham and it was like my initiation song. So it's just, you know, there's little meanings behind most of them. I'm hoping we're going to get like a second rendition later. <laughs> <laughs> I can try a little second time. <laughs> Love it. Okay, let's get into this list. So listen to the tracks chosen by Delhi. Search FIFA Sound on your music streaming service. Let's get straight into track one. It's 50 Cent's Many Men. Many Men. Wish death upon me Blood in my eye, dog, and I can't see I'm trying to be what I'm destined to be And trying to take my life away I put up with me 
My back on the wall, now you gon' see Better watch how you talk when you talk about me Cause I'm coming for way many men Many, 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 many men Wish death on me Powerful, many, many, many. Oh, he's already many. off. <laughs> listen, listen. I don't cry no more. I'm dead no. with you. <laughs> Why this one? It's a throwback, obviously, in '50. I think that album was all just for me cold, and um, yeah, that song is just one that I've always loved. And I always used to like make Snapchat videos and stuff. <laughs> 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 grabbing all the lyrics, so you can like I was a proper gangster, but. Yeah. Was this one of the first albums that you, you bought then, would you say? Yeah, that was probably like my first proper album. First proper album. That's so mad. Because I actually think, Liam, that was my... I think it was my second album. The first album I bought was So Solid Cruise. I think my first album was um, In The End by Linkin Park. I think I went through like a real like skater emo phase. One of, the, one of those points. That one wasn't on camera, unfortunately, for everybody though. But yeah, <laughs> I, was, like, I had Eminem and, and Linkin Park was my first one. Rich, do you remember creating your first album as well? Because you've been in that space where you create something that everybody can resonate to. Yeah, I remember just thinking like, my benchmark was like, it has to feel like a Jay-Z record. Mm. <laughs> like, just the level of rap on there has to feel like that. So he's always been my benchmark of of how well to rap and how to deliver a project. So that's what's kind of what I based it on. Uh, see, when you have those sort of mindset from early, I feel that kind of creates such a precedence for yourself, which is good. But Deli, you said something that was important there. It made you feel a different way. I, I think the reason why many men were so powerful, especially here, like I think about all my boys, everyone had the album. We could all relate to it. Our environments kind of put us in a situation where we could all understand what 50 Cent was saying at that time. Deli, do you feel like you could see sort of the visionary, what he was producing, but also looking at your environment, do you feel like you could relate to it too? Uh, probably not when I first started listening to it because you know, I was just this little dumb kid in MK. But, um, <laughs> obviously, as I got older and you learn more about life, because obviously when that dropped, that would have been 2003, I would have been like seven years old or something. Did you ever have visions of wanting to be a rapper? Always. I still want to be one. I still now want to be a rapper, but I just can't do it. <laughs> Don't we all? Hey, listen, you know what I find? The footballers want to be rappers, but slightly. <laughs> the rappers want to be footballers. I was just reading here, Richard, says that you wanted, yeah. to be, you wanted to be a footballer when you were younger. Originally, of course, was we good? all did. Was you no, good, right? I'm, 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 I'm good now mentally. <laughs> I think put it this way: if I had the brain that I have now, back then, then I had a chance. But back then, I'm just doing anything. What were some of your early memories, Rich, in terms of playing ball? Like, who influenced you? Obviously, it's well documented. You're a big Arsenal fan. You don't hide that at all. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking yeah. when he's saying he's got a good brain. I don't know if it's. Being not an Arsenal fan, it's like, no shots, no shots. No, Ian Wright was like, my, that was an icon to me, man, as a kid. I didn't play out front, though. I used to play left back or right back. But I think mainly Ian Wright, and then obviously a lot of the Arsenal legends like Thierry Henry, you know what I mean? These guys just come and started doing different things, and you're just looking at that, and you see Zidane and my, my memories of football are like all back then in that kind of time. That early culture sort of that it was building, that see, people talk about that rivalry between Arsenal and Tottenham. And it's real. It's still real to this day. The mm. man really don't like to talk to each other on, on game day. Do you feel like that's ever going to change? Or what, Deli, what's that been like to be playing in that? Yeah, I think obviously it's different now because without the fans and all that. 
But I think when I first come in from Milton Keynes to Tottenham, like you could feel like the energy when it was building up to a North London derby. And yeah, when you win that game and obviously when you've got the fans and stuff there, so it is a good feeling. But I think when I first joined, I realised, obviously, I know how much the fans hate each other and whatnot. But as a team, as players, like our rivalry was more with like Chelsea. Mm. Like obviously the first season and like Leicester because like we were fighting with them at the time. It really like, yeah, it was like Chelsea had done, I think they'd ruined like our chance of like winning when we was fighting against Leicester and like just a few things that had happened with our current squad. I'm just trying to think in terms of relating it back to music, in terms of relating it back to my life, I'm trying to think who are my like rival fan bases? Do you know what? I feel like since BTS came around, you know, that, that they're like a cape. That dynamite. Yeah, and they, honestly, the fans go at each other online. <laughs> it's crazy to watch. They won't have it. So I guess that's sort of the same in a roundabout way. Sounds um, similar. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into track number two here. We've got... I mean, this, this is going to take so many twists and turns this today. There's so many... <laughs> Red herrings. This is um, Valerie by Mark Ronson and Amy Winehouse. I mean, what a tune. It's incredible, man. Shout out to Amy, man. That was a moment. Yeah, for sure. Magical. She had such a a way with music and watching someone perform like that. It was an amazing time to be alive for, for sure. Yeah. What made you choose this song? That song, because that was my initiation song at MK when I was younger. When, no. I, when I first went up to the first team, that was my initiation. And how does this work? Is it like a character building thing? What do you think the general idea behind it is? I don't know. I think it's just, you know, when you're new to a squad, it's just sort of like it still happens now all the time when a new player signs. Yeah, I think it's just sort of welcoming them into the squad, if you know what I mean. Yeah, sort of lets your guard down, disarms everybody. Yeah. Like no one wants to do it. Like obviously, <laughs> no one ever wants to do it. How did it feel? Uh, yeah, I had a, uh, I was nervous. No. Yeah, lie. You thrive under pressure. He thrives under pressure. He was fine. Oh, yeah, no, the I was up there dancing. And... <laughs> no, no, who picks the song? You pick the song yourself. When I done it at MK, I was like 15. So I'm like, with all the, it's like going into the first team of all those, obviously the older boys and stuff. And mm. you want to sing something that they can sort of vibe to and like sing along with. Because if you're, it's a cold, it's like a lonely place when you're up there and you just like, just come in, you don't oh, really yeah. know anyone. Obviously, it's you guys do it on, the, on a much bigger scale, but like when you don't know anyone in the in the team, you just join. Yeah, so it's a lonely place. So you want like people try and pick songs that like people can sing along to. Delhi, what was that like? 15, 16 years old, breaking into the first team. Yeah, no, it was good because I there was never a point in like every decision I made, whenever it be obviously if you don't choose to play the first team, but like at every moment of my career so far, the decisions I made, I felt like they were the right time, like perfect timings. If you get what I mean, like I felt like at that time, like 16, 17, like I wanted to play in first team football. Like I felt like I was ready for that. And obviously in League One, you get the amount of games I did. And then when I moved to Tottenham, like it was all like, I felt like it was just the perfect time and to do that. And I didn't move until I was ready to go in and really fight and show people what I can do. And 
earn a place in the starting eleven, and yeah, Tottenham was the best club for to do that. You know, at some point quickly, you're going to have a moment in your mind that's going to change you forever. And Rich, I want to hear yours as well. Mm. But mm. Delhi, do you know what your moment was where you turned around and said, you know what, like, because I can tell you from an outside perspective what I feel like it was. But it's interesting to see if you feel like you know what your moment was in your MK or in your teenage years where you said, you know what, I've announced myself. Uh, I'll probably say the Man United game when we beat them 4-0 when I was at MK. In the League Cup? Yeah, because that was sort of like the first time that people would probably see me play more than Chelsea was playing League One, we weren't on TV and that as much. But that was like a good moment for me to like show people what I was, what I was about. And yeah, it's weird because when you play football, like you never feel like you're always chasing like more. You always want more. I think it's obviously the same with music, but you always want more like no matter what you achieve. And yeah, I can't mm. say I've ever won many trophies at the minute, but yeah, you're always just waiting for that next thing and the next challenge. And yeah, I think that Man United game was... Um, you know, it was me showing that I was hungry and I was ready and I was here, so. Rich, he's downplaying it, you know. 16 years old, yeah. he's, boxing, he's boxing Kagawa, <laughs> Welbeck, Pereira, like bossing a centre midfield at 16, playing Man United yeah. and beating them 4-0 in the cup. Like that picture of Van Gaal is still sitting there when he's confused, <laughs> thinking to himself, what's happening here? What happened? That's a big deal, man. Yeah. My one's not as big. The first thing was when I put out my first mixtape, like 2006, someone drove past me on my high road that I didn't know and they were playing the music. Mm. That was a turning point because I was like, I don't know you. I never gave you that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you bought that. Like, you're, you bought that. He didn't even, you know that like back then he didn't even know it was me. He just drove, he even looked at me like as if I was just, you know what I'm saying? I'm thinking, that's me. Like, but yeah, so that was like the first turning point. And then I think the next one was like 2011 when it went to the next level with like Tractor and that. When it charted, I just remember that week thinking, this is serious now. Like, this is, yeah. things are going to change and things are about to happen. So you really got to apply yourself now and just, yeah, never look back from then. Let's get on to track three, which you actually, I mean, I don't even know if I should read out what you had in its place so people can understand the difference between these two songs. But let's do it for the culture. Let's do it. <laughs> He's in Cues by Kano is what we had, and you've changed it out for Follow Me by Uncle Cracker. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big turn. It's a big turn, I know. It is. It's but like I you just sweat, you know. Uncle Cracker was like my initiation song at Tottenham, I think it was. You don't know how you met me. You don't know why you can't turn around and say goodbye. All you know is when I'm with you, I make you free and swim through your veins like a fish in the sea. I'm singing, follow me. Everything is all right. I'll be the one to tuck you in at night. Great song, by the way. There's no way that this song can't put a smile on your face wherever you yeah. are. I remember being like, I think I was in Florida or something at the time when this song came out, and I can remember being sat in like an Irish like rip-off restaurant, and this used to come on, and it just you just yeah you got a head nod. Yeah. It's one of them. Your growth at Tottenham, I ain't never seen a teenager hit the ground running like that. Double figures first season, double figures. You just adapted to it so quickly. How did it make you feel? Did you understand the moment you were in at that time? Yeah, I think. You sort of not take it for granted, but obviously in that period of my career, you know, I was going there to fight. I was ready for anything. I knew I had a lot of self-belief, you know, and I felt, like I said, when I made the decision to come to the Premier League and to go to Tottenham, it was like a lot of thought into it. the manager, 
Poch was, you know, I love, I love watching just before I went there, but uh, like his whole philosophy and I could see the way the club was building and I felt like it was just a perfect time for me to go and I knew I'd get a chance and yeah, I was just ready for anything. But when I say that, when I take a look at it from a perspective, it's incredible to say that you're ready for the chance. You know how many young players are talking about and said they're ready for the chance, but Deli, you really grabbed it with both hands. Talking about Golden Boy Awards and all the rest of it, as well as the accolades that have followed you since then. But in that space, in that time, do you feel like you were able to understand it? Yeah, I think I was very lucky to have a manager with Pochettino because, you know, he's an unbelievable guy. And I think um, he's very experienced and he would talk to me a lot, like in his office and stuff. And yeah, he would always pull me in if I was doing dumb stuff and speak to me, but on a level. So it was like, you know, not like a dad, but kind of like that sort of that sort of vibe. So yeah, I was mm. very lucky to have a manager like him. Mm. What's been the highlight moment? Uh, I'd say probably that Champions League uh, semi-final against... Not, yeah, the semi-final, because we lost this, like... I like that. That's a winning mentality. You see that? Yeah. I took the whole, the whole L out of his brain. I love that. <laughs> yeah, no, the semi-final, just because it was a crazy game and obviously the comeback mm-hmm. and the last-minute goal. It's just, yeah, it was unreal. That was against Ajax, isn't it? Ajax, yeah, yeah. I was there, you know, because I was doing you was the... Um, you was, what, you was watching the round the game? Yeah, because I'd done the, um, the Champions League roundup that year. Oh, okay, cool. So I went to all of the matches except the final. <laughs> yeah, you didn't need to. But um, yeah, I just remember thinking, rah, that yeah, was no, mad. That Incredible. was mad. But Rich, the same thing sort of, well, it applies to you 100% because your growth and your, you shot the game since you've come in, but you haven't changed who you are to your core. And that's why I think your core audience has, has definitely followed you throughout your whole tenure. How have you always sort of remained consistent to who you are, even though you're getting bigger and bigger all the time? Just being my biggest critic for myself. Like, I can't face any criticism that will be worse than what I would give myself. So when I'm making a new album, I want to make sure what I'm speaking about is new. How have I evolved lyrically, sonically, what's different? How can I better what I've been doing? And I think once, once I work out them little elements there and then just work on them. It's easy to listen back to a project and be like, all right, cool, lyrically you've got better, vocally you've got better, ambitiously you're trying new things here, the flows have changed. And I think once I feel like that with myself, then I think the world's ready to hear it. When we look at trends and different things, obviously the US has always been a very big like placemaker for all of us. But I think mm. the way that rap has changed in America over the last, oh, I mean, I don't even know how long, but it's become... Mm a certain different type of thing. Like, how do you find yourself blending with that American market at the same time? Yeah, because it's like, it's very all old tuny now and more melodic. When Migos yeah. came in, they put this certain spin on things. And it was actually, for me, when you listen to a Migos song, it's more about the ad-libs than it is about the Yeah, 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 so that's what it is. It's like, when the culture shifts like that, you've got two choices. You can either shift with it but if you shift with it and that doesn't work you'll be lost forever or you just Mm. remain you and better yourself so you now become more bespoke and more unique because if everyone's doing that I need to come to Wretch for lyrics because everything's gone melodic so I've got to stay in that lyrical space place yeah in that space and I think it's just it's always worked for me man like to just be the best version of me so I just I don't think I'm going to change 
I am honestly the worst. Like sometimes I don't watch things back because I'd like to remember them how I remembered them. <laughs> Whereas like, in that moment, if I watch it back, I'm like, no, yeah. no, no. Don't want to see you doing that. Um, what about you, Deli? Same? Yeah, a thousand percent. I think in football, everyone, you know, obviously like the social media and everything, everyone has their own opinion of every game, of mm. everything. So yeah, I think if I have a bad game or if I have a bad training session, I'm always like, I know in my head. I think that's what got me to the level I'm at playing in the Premier League. I'm always wanting to just better myself. Or when I got, you know, when I got young player of the year, I wanted to get player of the year next season and just always trying to challenge myself. And yeah, that's it. To listen to the tracks chosen by Delhi, search FIFA Sound on your music streaming service. Uh, next up on the playlist. It is Drake's Marvin's Room. Tell me, have you heard that lately? I'm just saying you could do better. And I'll start hating only if you make me. Ah. Uh. Delhi, I need to know why this one was on there. This is important. Yeah, I just remember it always playing it. Even now, sometimes in my feelings, whatever, I'll just put that song on and just chill. (laughs) I think it's just an iconic song, an album. Drake's one of my favourites as well, for for sure. Yeah, I think it's just his consistency. He's always, he's just always... You know, if you think about Frank Sinatra, right? Frank Sinatra was was the the spokesperson of a generation in my eyes, and I feel like for our generation, that's kind of been yeah. Drake. Mm. You know, I think there's a strong link between the two of them, but they're from different worlds in my mind. Do you know what I mean? I hear that. I can also understand when you talk about the consistency, because mm. to bring it to two people, obviously Liam, look at the two people we've got on the podcast. These are two of the most consistent people of our generation in terms of producing at the highest level. So they're a lot more consistent than me. <laughs> yeah, and, and and me as well, in fairness. So that, says, says, says you so, sat in the cinema room. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> but Delhi, like, how do you get that element of consistency? Obviously, young player of the year in 16 and young player again in the in the 17 year. Like, what is it that kind of spurs you on? I think it was just all hunger and just, you know, wanting to achieve more. And, you know, like I said, when I won the young player of the year, the next year I was trying to, I wanted to win player of the year, not young player. And I won young player of the year again, but I wanted it to be the main <laughs> one. But I mean, you know, you're just chasing it. And then, yeah, I think in them seasons, just motivated and, and hungry and yeah, just wanting more. And things haven't probably gone as I wanted them to at the time, but I'll be back. You're already withstanding. You already made your standpoint on the game. So, uh, and see, the thing is, you're only saying nah, that. More, you're more, only saying that because of what you want to do, which is shows your hunger yeah. again. But Rich, what drives you on as well, man? Because listen to me, the bodies of work. Wait, can I just say, Rich? I don't know how many views you've got on your fire in the booth, but I think I'm probably half of them. Twenty, <laughs> twenty-three million. Yeah, this done. I'm, right. probably, I'm, probably, I'm probably thirteen million. I'm the other half looking at the. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. 
You know what? Let's come into it. Next on your playlist is Wretch 3-2 and Avelino's Radio 1 Extra Fire in the Booth session with Charlie Stuff. I watched this just oh before we God. came on. Listen, listen. I'm just going to do that, so Avelino. Great. I'm just going to be shaking my head. I'm like, I'm there. Yeah, for the whole ride. I'm this, that is a wave and a half. There's not, I mean, there's not many moments in, in time when things just come together perfectly. Do you know what I mean? And the yeah. sound of the beat and the lyrics. Like, Talk us through it. Normally, when you see someone do a fire in the booth, They've got an album or a project coming because that's like mm. the biggest form of rap promo. So just going into it, dropping a project with Avelino. When I told him, I said, look, we're going to go and do a fire in the booth. And I know I can see it in his eyes that he wants to chop my head off. Of course. You know, like, you know, like Mr. Yeah. Miyagi, Daniel's son, I can see it. And I'm like... Yeah, because he went... He's he went yeah, he was hard. Mad. Avelino he, he was hard. <laughs> he went mad. <laughs> I, just, I just wrote as in like, whatever you write, you will not win. Like, that was just my thought process. You will not win today. Attacked it like that. And it just it just kept it fun because me and him are naturally competitive like that as well. So it just, yeah, that's... And then obviously Charlie's reaction was just something that just made it spiral more as well. It's so crazy because I played it again today just to refresh myself like I needed to anyway. It still holds weight, Rich. That's what's crazy about that moment. Everything still resonates to this day. In that time, did you know you were doing something special? I, I wouldn't, like, I don't know. Like, I, I, to be, if I'm honest, whenever I go in there, I feel like it has to be magical, like, and it has to be different from the last one and better. How many times have you done that? I might have done five, you know. I thought it was six. Yeah, it's five or six, yeah. Do you feel the pressure in that moment there? Or do you feel it? I don't feel the pr- It's not really pressure. It's just like, you know, like one of them moments where it's like, all right, if you're as good as you think you are, now's the, the time. time to, yeah, now's the time to yeah, breathe. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's more that than the pressure. But it was just, it was exciting because it was with Avelino. So it's like where I've done it before, it's like I'm with someone who it's new for them. Do you get what I'm saying? So I was yeah, feeding off his energy as well. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that. Why did you pick this? Like, because Rex's catalog is is wide. Like, why did you pick this moment in that track? I just think that Fire in the Booth was, yeah, I've listened to it. I don't know how many times I've watched it on YouTube. Because like when I'm in a hotel and I'd like to, like, if I'm not playing PlayStation, I'll just be on YouTube, like, watching Fire in the Booth and things like that. And that one got put on a lot. <laughs> My guy. Because <laughs> I'll just be sitting there. Because when you're in a hotel before a game, you just want, you're just chilling. So. You've just released your first book, Rapthology, yeah. last March. How was that for you? That was something different, man. It was, I think, one thing just throughout my, throughout the time that I've been recording and rapping and whatnot, like, people have always been intrigued with how my mind works. Like, how do you come up with these lyrics? How do you, how do you formulate it? How do you approach writing a song conceptually? And I thought, do you know what? Instead of having to replay myself over and over, I thought, let me just put all the gems in a book and call it Rapphology. So I just thought, let, let's just do that and see how it goes. It's done really well, man. Like, a very different thing for me put me in a different space but it's good to just feel challenged sometimes man i like talking about that experience because for me that was a chance where i mean listen to me right i'm from north london so i've watched the whole progress from the beginning but that was the opportunity where i could show you to my family mm. and my sisters and and bring new eyes on it delhi what was your sort of moment that you translate that moment do maybe it was playing for england where you thought to yourself you know i've achieved something that's incredibly special here I think it was, yeah, probably the World Cup. England, like the national team was never really, there was always like a lot of negativity when you was there, like when you was away with them. And I felt like just the way we 
obviously seeing on social media and stuff just the way the country came together and supported us and you know, everyone was going crazy so it was uh yeah that was a definitely a good moment man i covered that world cup i can't explain to you the energy like i've never <laughs> in my life seen the country so unified there was you and the other people within that squad were the heartbeat of everything that was happening in terms of unification yeah. at the moment. Do you, even though you were away, do, could you still feel it? Yeah. I know you're talking about social. Could you still feel it? Uh, yeah, more after you sort of, after the, because obviously when you're in tournament, you're like just focused and you don't, you're hearing things, you don't, but you don't really like, you know, you just focus on like the next match and it like happens like that and you're just like, you know, you want to win the next game. So, or you're just chilling, obviously you can see the videos and stuff, but you're just in like your own little bubble at the time and after it's when you really sort of appreciate nah, it. Everyone, everyone was behind you lot, man. We felt that time it was coming. I, yeah, we felt, we felt it. We really felt it. I think everywhere, every corner you went to, everyone was saying yeah. it's coming home. Everywhere. <laughs> every time you went to households. I, I'll never forget, I came into my house one time. My sisters, they're not football fans, not really. I came in from work no. and they had the game on. And that's when I knew <laughs> that you've touched people beyond just mm. the normal yeah. audience. That's when I asked you, do you feel like it was a special time for you in your life? too yeah i feel like it was a special moment obviously again we didn't win it so it's like it's annoying because it's what could have happened and what could have been but um yeah hopefully we'll get the opportunity again soon but yeah that was a definitely an amazing moment in my life and in my career Right then, your last track on the playlist, Delhi, is We Paid by Lil Baby. No, he ain't Kim, dog, he ain't track. Still a bit my last room, nice in the hood. Take who train off, not good. Talk us through this one. I just think it's a big track. It's one of my probably most played at the minute. Yeah, every time I want to, like, for a game, whatever, when I'm in the, on the way to a game or just chilling, in the phone and nice This is vibe. the one that settles you. That's, the, that's my vibey song, yeah. Lil Baby's known for his drip. Yeah, Liam. Lil Baby's known for his drip. He had obviously an extravagant birthday party. So I need to know the Deli Ali drip. How many sneakers have you got? Are you a sneakerhead? Yeah, I'm, I love trainers. How many would you roughly say you have? A lot. No, I don't know. But a lot. Do you have anything that you'd like specifically save, like a pair of boots? Talk us through your like favourite kit. Uh, like, is there a I pair of boots that are special to you that you've worn before in a game or...? Yeah, I have a lot of like old boots. I'll give them to my friends or whatever, but I like to keep like ones that have meaning. Like if I've scored in certain games or whatever, then yeah, I usually keep them. I have to ask you both as well. Like, how do you kind of take yourselves out of your work? Because there's a lot of pressure in what both of you do every day. Like, Delhi, are you a gamer? Like, I'm seeing this virtual reality yeah, thing um, is now everything. That's what people do to kind of take themselves out of their real world now. Yeah, no, I play COD. I love Call of Duty. I love Call of Duty. Oh, and Rich knows. Rich knows. Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting Rich up with Ali. Yeah, I was sitting up with Ali. Rich was quiet. Know, I just remember, when I said it, I was just thinking, oh, wait, Rich knows, actually. Rich has seen me. You know, it's funny. I was sitting there thinking, should I bring it up? Nah, you might, have, you might have forgot. But yeah, yeah, you got the better of me on FIFA. I'm going to be in my game, but yeah, I just like retch up real quick. <laughs> uh, I want details. What happened? I need the details. Uh, what was it? You know what? Yeah, 
So I go through phases though. There's phases where I'm on, and then phases where I'm I'm a bit weak, and that was one of my weaker <laughs> phases. So I catch me when I'm on. I played um, Trent Alexander Arnold, and he beat the crap out of me at FIFA. I did, it was I was lucky. It was Trent's a good player. I was lucky though. it was for charity, Trent, so I could at least feel good about something that happened in the game. Hey, one <laughs> one mad story actually about about FIFA. This is quite mad. But when we used to stay on the tour bus, obviously FIFA was the game we'd always go to at night time, and there was one night. We were feeling a little bit fruity and me and the boys all together decided it was like a tattoo game that if you lost, you had to get the scoreline tattooed on you along with if you got any red or yellow cards. So I've got a mate from home in Wolverhampton who's literally got like a 3-2 red card tattooed on him for life. <laughs> That's some early Iron Napa Malia vibes. That <laughs> oh, are mate. Yeah. Yeah. mistakes. Hey, listen. Hey, listen. He said 3-2. You should just say it's for Rich. Yeah, for oh, real. <laughs> I, Delia, I also want to ask you about that documentary because there was so much sort of made of the Amazon documentary and the following you around. How did you first of all handle that? It was a weird experience, but I think it's obviously great for the fans like to see what's, like it's a great insight into Tottenham and what it is. And I think it's, yeah, I think a lot of people enjoyed it, but I don't much. How do you feel about those sorts of things? Because I mean, for, for me, uh, I suppose you can on this as well, Rich, but well, you know, having cameras follow you around constantly and and, you know, people getting into that side of life for you, you know, obviously for you, it's all about the sport. But how, how did you find getting used to those those moments and kind of letting that privacy gate down a little bit? It was tough because obviously a lot of it's like we don't have any say as players, if you know what I mean. Like we're not seeing like yeah. the last checks or like we're not seeing what they're putting out. So we're just sort of someone's coming into our home and recording everything. Wow, yeah. and we just, you mm. know, we don't have any say as players like almost growing up. So, but the people were cool, like obviously all the, people at Amazon like they'd come in and that and speak to them they were cool so yeah it was tough but I think it's like I said it was great for the fans to be able to see more clear of what's like what actually goes into a match day and you know, all, the, all them little little details I, I liked it man it's insightful for me still yeah that's something I think for other people it's like it's good but for us it's just like <laughs> yeah obviously they tried to get as much as they could and there was other things that you know they would have missed and I think it was a big change when Poch and Mourinho, yeah, yeah. obviously, when the way they handled everything, it was a lot different. But yeah, for us as players, we just, you know, we don't really have anything to say. <laughs> we just there to, to go to a train and come home or whatever. But, but I haven't really watched it back yet, probably. I watched the first two. Uh, but yeah, my friends have all watched it and they all loved it. So <laughs> I'm just reading down the um, fact sheet here. And it said you've partnered with a UK esports organisation called XL to help XL, their yeah. players and teams develop their psychological skills. Yeah, nice. No, so I've partnered with Excel as an esports team. I wanted to like step into the esports world, and I don't know if you know about Excel, but they're like a great team. And yeah, it was a good opportunity. So I'm not like there to play. Like I'm not part of their team. <laughs> like I'm not because I'm not good Why enough. Not? Like you think you're good, but it's, when you actually see like the pros are, play, yeah. oh yeah, well, yeah, that's what I mean. We did like England versus rest of the world for, uh, I can't remember who the hell I was playing against, but I think I won my game and I was the first game on, which I was quite happy about. But then you got to watch yeah, the pros play afterwards. And I was like, why, do you, why, why bother? <laughs> he's, he's looking at this that's, 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 that's the actual craft. That's what they've put time and effort into. Bro, I played with, it was like, I can't even remember. It wasn't, it, it was another game, but I played with one of the pros. So they had basically one, you was on their team. 
Yeah, yeah. And I was me- I got two on two. Yeah, and I was messing up for him, man. He was vexed. We lost, <laughs> we lost. Bro, no, listen, we lost. How much did we lose? 20 bags. We lost 20. <laughs> I lost 20 bags. All I was trying to do was pass him the ball. <laughs> and stripped him of his whole confidence. So <laughs> we lost, we lost, we lost. I had this moment during lockdown, right, where I had to um do the Grand Prix from home. This is what happened. So I got called up to do the Grand Prix. So they sent me this race car thing that went in the lounge, right? And then you basically go online and race against people. And when they delivered it, they left the racing line on for me. And I didn't realize that on match day, they were going to take it off. So, I mean, I was terrible. I crashed the car (laughs) in the bloody thingy. And then I accidentally crashed into, you know, know, Ian Poulter, the golfer. (laughs) He cussed me out something hard down the microphone. (laughs) Because I put him in the barrier. It was so bad. I can't even keep up with all of the new ones, man. I just stick to my original. The war, when you talk about Warzone and stuff, I just, I, that's why I feel like I'm getting older. But it's good, <laughs> it's good to talk to both of you because, like, you both established and you've both done so much. Like, your legacies are cemented. But what do you both want to do? Because I still hear hunger in both of you. Delhi, what do you want to do, man? What's, what's in the future for you, bro? Uh, I just want to achieve as much as I can in football, I think. That's obviously always my main focus. And at the minute, it's not going very well for me personally because obviously I've not been in the team or whatever. So, yeah, I'll be looking to sort that situation out and, yeah, just get back to, to playing and trying to win as much as I can. When you say, man, and say um, playing, because individually you've achieved so much. So you're talking about more team accolades. So you're, your eyes are on league domestics. Yeah, I think it's, I'm getting to that point, you know, where I want to start winning trophies and, mm. you know, be a part of something and... Yeah, try and win as much as I can in terms of like trophies for the team. How about you, Rich? What about what, what's next for you personally, professionally? Yeah, I think for me, I want to get into more things to do with writing, man. Whether it's like I don't know, maybe writing a, a wow. film or writing a theatre play or something. Just want to try and push this writing thing into different arenas, man. Rich, I have to ask you a question as well because um, growing over life, where was you in your mind when you were producing that? That's probably one of the most impactful albums I've ever had in my life. Like in terms of where I was when I first started listening to it and then where, yeah. where it took me afterwards. You changed no, my no. life like full circle. So I need to know where you were in your life when you were creating that. I think mentally just frustration. I think that album came from frustration. I think so much things are going on in society and just me like getting out of my first record deal and navigating through where I'm going next and... Just, it was just like a, if it was a colour, it was just a very red mm. time. And I think it just came out in the music. It's mad though, because people are always like, yeah, man, when are you going to do another Grown Over Life? I'm like, you don't know what I have to go through to get that one out. <laughs> like that one, don't just, yeah, that don't come with it's, happy it's, times. It's almost so. you don't want another one, because... I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to have wow. to, but yeah, we'll see. Nah, for real. I look, both of you, I feel like it's been an absolute pleasure to have you both, man. Like I said, this is North London's mm-hmm. finest. Yeah, you both represented today and you both held it down. Come it was a, a real genuine, honest conversation. Guys, you've been absolutely amazing. And uh, uh, yeah, thank you very much uh, for joining us. It's been great. Love having man, man. Thank you. Uh, I mean, one of my favourites so far. You know, our first, like we said, all English podcast as well. Wretch 3-2. I mean, that, that fire in the booth, mate. Ah, oh, different level. Honestly, we've all to do that. Shout out to Avelino. My head is still shaking right now. I'm just—it just, it just <laughs> took me straight back. But Delhi was really open and really 
I love seeing that side of Deli Ali because you don't see yeah. that side of, of footballers at the highest game all the time in England. So it was just good to have him that platform. He's growing as well because, I mean, the first time I actually met him, he was so, so shy. You know, he just seemed to play a lot of games. And I mean, I, I really feel like he's coming to his own, which is an amazing. I mean, you know, we just hope he gets playing again soon, you know? I will do, man. Look, talent like that can't stop forever. Like, you can't hold that back. So I'm I'm looking forward to whatever his next destination or next move is, or if he gets himself back into that Spurs team as well. Do you know what I mean? True story. Well, JD, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you so, so much, mate. Liam, this was North London royalty right here. This was good. Yeah, I even got great. a story that you were dating someone from Enfield. I'm, I'm buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I've not said too much, but thank you very much, mate. I'll speak to you soon. Pleasure as always, Liam, man. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that episode as much as we did. If you did, please give us a like, a share, or a review on whatever platform you're listening on. To hear Delhi's playlists, search FIFA Sound on your music streaming service. And finally, check out FIFA's social feeds for exclusive play on content and teasers for our future guests. Wherever you are in the world right now, I hope you are well and keeping safe. Uh, until next time, friends, thank you very much for listening.